How are we doing tonight, men? Good. You ready to do some more? Will it? Yeah? Okay, now, just items of business here. You guys did pretty well last night. I challenged you to treat chapel seriously, and you did really well. Some of you still aren't. Okay, it's not meant to be funny. I don't want to single anybody out. But this right here is the most important thing you're going to do at this camp this week. We sit in here and we're studying the words of the God who created the universe. That is much more important than any game you've played or will play. And if you don't believe that, you're wrong. You need to take this seriously. And I love you, and that's why I want to challenge you again. When we turn to God's word tonight, I want you to engage your minds. I want you to act like men, and I want you to listen and follow along because this is that important. Okay, men? So we're going to open in prayer, and then we're going to jump into Will It Last Part 2, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for each one that's here tonight. God, thank you for the truth that we just sang, that you alone can rescue, and you do save when we place our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we focus on and look to eternity tonight, and we're reminded from your word what lasts and what does not last, I pray that your Spirit would come among us and you would teach and train the hearts of your children. Father, I ask that you'd open our spiritual eyes to see our need and to see your Son for who he is, that is our Savior. And Father, we know that this right now, this time of studying your word can change the rest of our lives. And so I ask tonight that it's not the message of men that we hear, but it's your message. And we trust that your spirit is here now to communicate that message. Father, thank you again for everything that you give to us. Thank you for giving us this truth. And as we always do, we ask and pray these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, will it last Part two, last night we looked at a few things and we're going to review, okay? So just like last night, I'm going to ask you, you know, will it last? And you're allowed to answer properly, okay? Number one, oh, good. Here was the big idea from last night. Remember these verses from 2 Corinthians 4. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And last night we looked at three things that we can see, we can grasp, and things that do not last into eternity, remember? So, number one, money. Now I'm going to ask you, will it last? No. You're right, it won't. First Peter chapter 1 tells us that silver and gold perish. That means it will decay. That means when you die and enter eternity, you do not get to take it with you. Good, you remembered. That's only one, though. That's I'm sure you'll get them all, but I don't know. You might not. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got to wait for the question first, man, okay? Now, this one was the body, remember? This is a big, strong, bulky guy. He spends all of his life building those muscles, but when he dies, will it last? No! You're right. It will not. Just like that money, it will decay. And we will enter into eternity not in this physical body. We'll look at what we enter in with tonight. Okay? And the third one, success. You're so, you're, I like your enthusiasm, but you've got to wait for the question. 
Success, okay? Now, this is the trophy you get when you win the Super Bowl, right? We would think that would be really successful in this life, but every Super Bowl winner, every Super Bowl MVP, when they die, do they get to take it with them? No, No, it will not last. And tonight, we're going to look at three things that will last. Things that, when we look to the future, as long as there is which is forever and ever and ever and ever, there is no end. These things will be there, okay? Number one, God. And there's a question mark there because we're asking a question, will God last, okay? That's your first bullet in the notes. And we're going to look at four passages here that talk about how long God will last, okay? First one is Psalm 90, verses 1 through 4. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or before you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Okay, now, those words, everlasting, you see those there? That means as long as time goes back, forever and ever and ever and ever backwards, and forever and ever and ever and ever forwards. So all of time, outside of time, before time existed. You see that? Before the mountains and the earth were here, who was there? God. And after they're gone, forever and ever and ever in the future, who is still going to be there? God. Let's look at a few more. Okay? Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. The everlasting God. This is not a God that was created. This is not a God that will die. There will never be a moment where he does not exist in his fullness. He's the everlasting God. Let's look at another one. Would you guys read this one with me? Okay? But you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. How long does the Lord endure? Forever. You don't seem like you're very convinced of that. How long does the Lord endure? Thank you. One more. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, Invisible to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Immortal, eternal. How long does an immortal, eternal being last? Okay, so, will God last? Yes. Now, you realize, this God is a big deal. Not only does he last forever, but he made forever. Okay, and I just think it's important to point that out. Okay, now God will last for eternity. We look to the future, God is going to be there. Okay, what else? What about truth? Now, I want to explain what I mean here. When we talk about the words in the Bible, these stories that we tell, are they just stories that we make up? No. When we call them truth, we mean that they are right, they are not wrong, and they will be right forever, okay? If they're really true, 
Should they always be true? Yes. And that's what the Bible tells us about truth, about itself. Psalm 19, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. How long will this word be true? Forever. Okay, let's look at another one. Psalm 119, verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth. Every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Now, I chose those verses because they're the same words we just looked at for the Lord. Yes, God lasts forever. He endures forever. But those same words apply to the Bible. How long will the Bible endure? Forever. Okay, let's look at a couple more. Isaiah 40, verse 8. Would you like to read this one with me? Okay. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Truth is a big deal, too. Matthew 24, verse 35. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself. Heaven and earth will pass away. Now, that's a pretty big statement. Last night, I could have asked you, will heaven last? And based on this verse, no. Will the earth, this earth, last? Well, the answer would have been no. But compared to heaven and earth that will not last, what will never go away? But my words will by no means pass away. So, will truth last? Yes. So, if you're following along, remember a few nights ago, really the last two nights, we talked about living for things of an eternal value, okay? So, living for money, that's not an eternal value, right? Because it doesn't last. Living your life for success, that's not an eternal value because success does not last. Even living for the pleasures of your body is not an eternal value because your body will not last. Are you tracking? But if you would choose to live for the Lord, if you would choose to live for the truth of the Word of God in the Bible, those are eternal values. Why? Because they last forever. Your investment to the Lord and your investment in the Word of God is meaningful forever and ever and ever because they last. They're worth it, young people. They are more valuable than money. Some of you might, in your mind, when I just said that, like, okay, yeah, right. Then why do I go to work? Why do my parents go to work and get a paycheck? We don't really buy into this sometimes. And our world does not buy into this. But if the Bible is true, who has told us these things? That God who lasts forever through his word that lasts forever, has told you what is really valuable. And there's one other thing that's really valuable to God, and it lasts forever too. I don't want to spoil, okay, but there's one more, and this is really what I want to focus on tonight. It's the soul. Now, before we read these verses, I want to remind you what you're made out of. When God made Adam in Genesis, what did he form him out of? And you can cheat by looking at the screen. What is it? Dirt, dust. But when he formed that body out of the dirt, the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life. A human is not just dirt. 
Yes, our flesh, our physical body, is made out of dirt, but in us is something that is not made of dirt. It's made of spirit that God put in us. To be a human, you're not just dirt, your body and your soul. And differently from the body, in contrast, the body does not last, the soul does. Okay, let's look at a few. Well, it says it right here. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. And remember that's talking about death. Before you die, remember your creator. When you die, then the dust, the body that doesn't last, will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit, the soul, where does it go? It returns to God who gave it. Now, let's look at a couple more here. Revelation 6, 9 and 10. This is talking about a time in the future, okay? I want you to see those bold words there. I'm going to read it. I want you to focus on what's happening in these verses. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. Now, to be slain is what? To be killed. So the writer of these verses sees the souls of people after they've died. Do you catch that? What are those souls doing? And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you avenge, until you judge and avenge our blood? Those souls are alive, active, speaking. After they've died, the body doesn't last, right? The body decays. Did the soul decay? No. After they died, their soul was still there. Their soul was still thinking. It was alive. And if you're a human, let me just check. I'm going to scan everybody in here just to make sure, yep, you're all human, right? And if you're human, you're made out of two things, right? A body and a soul. And so when you die, your body will not last, but what part of you will? So, will the soul last? Okay, now is when we get to the good stuff. Where does the soul go when you die? Now, don't answer. Don't answer. You don't need to raise your hands. I want you to think. In your mind, think. When I die, where does my soul go? Now, we've talked all week about sin, right? Sin happened in the garden back in Genesis 3. God, who made everything, told Adam and Eve not to eat of the one tree. They disobeyed. They chose to do what God told them not to do. And then what happened? Sin. And the Bible says, by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. And we talked about death last night. Sin causes physical death, right? Where my soul leaves the body, but there are two other kinds of death. There is spiritual death, and that is from the moment you're born. You are not in a relationship with God. In fact, he opposes you and you oppose him. That is what sin does in your heart. Your nature of sin opposes him, and for that sin, as Matt has taught us in the mornings, God rejects sin. So we're born spiritually dead, 
and because of sin, one day we will physically die. Are you with me? Now, when you die and your soul leaves, if you are not forgiven of sin, if you're still separated from God at your physical death, your soul goes to a place of torment called hell. You can see it in your notes, okay? I put a passage there. Luke 16 is about two men, one of whom who dies, he thought he was good because he was rich, he had all the money, thought he'd get into heaven, and no, he was in torment, and he wished he could go back and tell his family where he was. Now, if I die and I'm not forgiven, I go to hell. So how does my soul get to heaven? And we're going to read a couple of verses here together about this, okay? I want to read Romans 6.23 first. Will you read it with me? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we've already talked about this, right? Born in sin... Because of my sin, if I die spiritually dead, my soul will go to hell. God rejects the sin. But God made a way for you to be accepted instead of rejected, right? And it says it in that verse. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay? Now, how... Do we get forgiven and accepted by Christ? And that's the second verse. Okay, and I'd like you to read this with me too. Okay? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish or spot. Why are we talking about the blood of a lamb here? No, don't answer. I just want you to think. Why is blood so important? If you were to look back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve are in that garden, and remember God said, don't eat of the tree, and they ate. Sin entered the world, and death entered. They noticed something about themselves, right? They noticed that they were not clothed. And to fix that problem, the shame of their nakedness, what did they do? They ran and tried to find leaves. But guess what? That shame that they were experiencing wasn't because they were unclothed out here. That shame was a result of sin in their heart. And to fix that, what did God do? He didn't cover them with leaves. He killed an animal. Nothing had ever died. Adam and Eve sinned. God took an animal and killed it. Its blood was spilled and then they were covered. You fast forward a few chapters in the Bible, there's Cain and Abel. And one brings an offering of vegetables, and God rejected it. And the other one, Abel, brought a blood sacrifice. Why, why are we dealing with all this blood? You fast forward to Moses, and the nation of Israel is being led out of Egypt. And the tenth plague of Egypt is the killing of the firstborn. And you remember what God told them in Exodus? If you were to take a male lamb without blemish, sound familiar? And you kill that lamb, 
and you take its blood, and I want you to paint that blood on the door outside your house. And when my spirit comes through that night, if there's blood over your house, it'll pass over you. Every one of those examples, and there's many more, are examples of a sinner, you or me, being exchanged for a substitute. An animal and its blood being killed in our place. And guess what? We talk about a lamb because there was someone who died in your place. You, as a sinner, deserve to be killed, to be punished. But God himself came down to earth, Jesus Christ, a perfect, righteous, holy, all-powerful God, because he loved you, a sinner, came down and died, had his blood shed on that cross for your sin and for my sin. That makes absolutely no sense. We should die, not him. But because God loved you so much, he was your lamb. He was your substitute, just like all of those other substitutes. His blood was spilled to cover your sin and give you righteousness so that when you die, your soul doesn't need to be punished in hell but you can be forgiven, covered by that blood, by the perfect, precious blood. And when you're covered and forgiven in that blood, when the substitute takes your place, you get to go to heaven. Man, you guys should be way more excited about that. Because without that substitute, not one of us is going to see the gates of heaven. We would all burn but he died for you. And you didn't deserve it. That's what perfect love looks like, men. An undeserved, holy sacrifice given to pay for you. Even though you didn't ask for it, you didn't want it, you didn't deserve it. God came to save a bunch of his enemies. And so we ask that question, where will your soul go when you die? There's two options. You're all born a sinner because you're a human. And if you die physically, yet being spiritually dead, you go to eternal death and hell. But God said, I'll make a way. That substitute died so that you could believe on him. Ask for forgiveness of sin because he died in your place on the cross. His blood was spilled. And if you ask him for forgiveness, if you by undeserved favor, his grace, just say, God, I know you provided a gift for me to be saved. I want that. God, save me. If you ask him to forgive, he will forgive. And then your soul will go to heaven. The question, will it last, is yes, your soul will last. But you have a decision about where it's going to last. Okay? So I want to change our question here. We've been asking, will it last? I want you to change it to, will you? And I want you to personalize it. Will I? Your soul will last, young person. 
It absolutely will. You die tonight, your body's going to decay, but your soul's going somewhere. It will last. But will you go to heaven or will you go to hell? The great news of the gospel is if you believe Christ, you get to go to heaven because he will forgive you and cover you with his righteousness from spilling his own blood when he died on that cross and rose again. He asks you to believe in him, to trust him. That's up to you. He's done all the work, but he says, believe in me. If you don't believe, your soul lasts, but it doesn't last in heaven. And you know, guys, <laughs> I've had so much fun with you the last couple of days. I love playing nine square and soccer with you. I love walking around. You have, you're chasing me in that counselor hunt. I love it. It's a lot of fun. But none of the fun of what we've experienced in the last two days is going to compare to what you're going to see in heaven or what you're going to miss out on in heaven. And I love you so much. I don't want you to miss that. There was a time in my life I had no idea if I would go to heaven or hell. And I heard this same thing, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, and if I believed in him, he would let me go to heaven. I didn't understand that, but I knew I was a sinner, and I knew I'd never ask Christ to save me. There's a moment in my life where I saw that need. If I would have died, I would not go to heaven, and he provided a way for me to go to heaven. And I asked him to forgive me. I know I'm going. Praise the Lord. You know, I mentioned my dad the other night. He thought he was going to heaven. He would say to me, oh, I've always been saved, Charlie. I've always known God. I remember conversation after conversation at the kitchen table with my dad. Dad, do you know you're going to heaven? I've always known. It's not true. Nobody's always been saved. We're born wretched sinners. Dad, that's not true. You have to believe in Christ. And you know what he did? April of 2013, he saw the same thing. He deserved hell. And God had given him all these blessings in life, a wonderful wife, a home, two somewhat good kids. He didn't deserve any of it because he knew he was a sinner too. And the moment he realized that God had died on the cross for him, a sinner, he had to pull the truck over because he was crying. And he asked Christ to forgive him. And I know he's in heaven too. And someday we're going to be there together. And it's a lot better than pool time or <laughs> Fortnite. It's going to be the best thing we've ever seen. And you can be there if you trust Christ. But if you don't, your soul will last somewhere else. And I love you so much, I don't want that to be you. I want you to be there with me. I want you to be there with my dad. I want you to know Christ. And as you think about that tonight, you ask yourself this question. When I die, am I going to go to heaven? You are a sinner. That sin deserves hell. 
but you can be forgiven if you trust Christ. So ask yourself, have I trusted Christ so that I could go to heaven when I die? That is the most important thing you will ever think about. And man, I want you to take that seriously right now. We're going to close. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the counselors as I pray to slip to the back. And I'm going to give you an opportunity after I pray to respond. And if you're thinking about that right now, and you don't know what would happen when you die, and you're not sure you'd go to heaven, you don't know if you've trusted Christ, when I give you the opportunity, I would just ask you to go back, okay? But let's pray first, okay? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you for the truth that you've given to us. God, you've told us we're sinners, and that because of that sin, we deserve an eternal punishment in hell. But you also tell us that you love us with an everlasting love. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lamb, perfect and holy, to die in our place. And if we trust Him, you give us eternal life. God, we know that our soul will go somewhere when we die. And we know the only way to go to heaven is through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for us. And Father, I just pray now that as these young men quiet their hearts and they think about this, your spirit would move among us and open their spiritual eyes to see. Open their hearts to hear the truth, to see the truth. That you'd give them the boldness now to respond. Father, thank you for the beautiful truth of the gospel.